Amen. Merry Christmas. Why's my brother-in-law? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And I just got to mess it all up. That's all right. I understand. I'm from the South. Um, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. If you got your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to start today. Um, now, it is Christmas time, and I love this time of year. How many of you got, you, you're done with Christmas shopping? No, all right. The the early service was much better. There's a lot more people that. How many of you're not you're not starting till Christmas Eve? <laughs> Procrastinators, right? Lift your hands. You say I'll do it in a little bit, right? <laughs> you can't even be bothered to lift your hand right now. We'll we'll get started later. Now there's a lot uh, a lot going on this time of year, and uh, it's a good thing, and and that can be a a difficult thing too because there's so much busyness. Um, and I know there's a, a lot of traveling, a lot of family plans that get made, a lot of Christmas parties. How many of you have already been to a Christmas party already? If you haven't, how many of you have got one coming up maybe this week? Yeah, if you, I know the youth do and, and all the kids do. So they've got Christmas parties coming up this week. Um, now, when I was a kid, uh, we had a record player. Anybody remember record players? Okay. Anybody still have a record player? All right. Yeah. And so, so record player, uh, I had a record player, and it, I had an old 45. You remember 45, the little small ones? And so I had a 45, and it would have these Christmas songs on it, and I would play those Christmas songs over and over and over. And there was one Christmas song in particular that I loved. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Because this Christmas song, um, it was written by a guy by the name of Donald Gardner in 1944. Donald Gardner was a music teacher along with his wife at an elementary school. Now, his wife uh, got pregnant, and then she had to step out of her music class. So Donald actually stepped into his wife's music class to lead the Christmas program uh, for that year. And so as he got in there, he started asking the kids, he says, what do you want for Christmas? And all the kids would start telling what he what they wanted for Christmas. And uh, what he began to notice, this was a second grade class, that this second grade class, that most of the second graders in this class were missing their two front teeth. And they spoke with a lisp, right? And so he sat down, and in about 30 minutes, he wrote a song called, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. Now, that was in 1944. In 1948, it got picked up and recorded by Nat King Cole. And Nat King Cole did an amazing rendition of it. Can you play a little bit of that for us, Steve? If you know it, I want you to sing it. Okay. All I want for Christmas is my... You guys are doing good. I have my two front teeth, then I would kiss you Merry Christmas. Do you know this part? Sister Susie sitting on a thistle. Gee, how happy I would be if I could only whistle. All I want for Christmas is my, come on. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I would wish you Merry Christmas. That's good. 
How, how many? That's you love that song, right? Anybody that's part of your childhood? That's part of my childhood. Yeah, give yourself a hand, right? But you did have an advantage. You sang it with your two front teeth, okay? Uh, no, I, I was I was watching YouTube uh, last night, just kind of looking at this, and the first comment on YouTube was like this guy had played this for his 86 year old dad who had lost all his teeth, and he says, "You know what? This song really makes sense now, right?" So. Uh, uh, hey, you know, we're, we're either there as a little kid or we're heading back that way. Uh, no, I loved this song as a kid, and, you know, I've been asked already, Raina's asked, she says, what do you want for Christmas, you know? I don't know what I want for Christmas. I mean, I've, I've got most everything I need. Uh, maybe like many of you, we probably have more than what we need. And so it's like when you're trying to figure out what do you want, what I want for Christmas, I don't know what I want for Christmas. But when we really start thinking about the things that we want for Christmas, it is probably those things that you can't even purchase. Those things that can't be bought. Those are the things that probably we really say, that's what I want for Christmas. And when you start thinking about that, you start thinking about the things that you would really like to have for Christmas. It's probably the bigger things, the heavier, the heavier, weightier things, such as happiness or health or joy, companionship. And maybe you're praying for peace. Maybe that's, maybe that's what you would like. Maybe, God, can you give me some peace of mind? Can you give me peace of mind and peace in my heart for Christmas? That's what I really want for Christmas. And so Christmas has a tendency to magnify the season that you're already in. That's what Christmas does. It has a tendency to just make whatever season you're in seem bigger. Now, if you're in a good season... That can be great because Christmas can just make it seem that much more magical. But if you've been in a rough season and, and you hit the Christmas season, it can make it seem bigger because of everything that is going on. And so that's what Christmas does. Sometimes it just magnifies the season that you're already in. Uh, so many things that we carry are things that have great weight. And really there are things that we carry that we really weren't built to carry. Um, there are things that we carry in our life and carry on our shoulders and the pressure that we take and the things that just kind of sit in on our life that sometimes we were not built to carry that kind of weight. And you say, what do we do with that? I remember when we built the parsonage back here back in 2011, um, I had to go pick up, we, we put in these vinyl planks and I had to go pick those vinyl planks up from the carpet store, carpet outlet over there with the big flags at on 204 and I got there and, and I, I guess I didn't really think about you know what I was driving I had a little Nissan Frontier and uh, I took that little Nissan Frontier and I backed and he's like okay we're gonna load this all in your in your uh, the back of your truck and they took this pallet and just dropped it in the back of my truck and my truck immediately went like that uh, now I, I heard at the early service that's called a Carolina lift I don't know anything about that uh, but if you're if you're from Carolina, maybe you can tell me what that's about. But uh, yeah, it, my truck immediately went like that, and I thought, how am I going to get this thing home? How am I going to get my truck home? And I really began to worry: am I going to mess up the springs in my truck? You know, is is it ever going to be the same again? So I drove really slow, uh, all the way down 204, coming all the way down Highway 17, across the the 60 railroad tracks between here and there. You know, and I, I got here and unloaded. I, I took a picture somewhere on on my Facebook page. I took a picture of it just because it looked so weird. Um, and, I, and I began to look. I was like, man, my truck was not built to carry that weight. And that's like us. We're not built to carry the weight sometimes that we carry. 
We're not, we're not created to carry everything sometimes that we try to carry. And you say, well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just get through it. I'll just kind of grit through it. And, and it wears on us, and it, and it can actually wind up damaging us. And so when we start talking about this idea of peace, um, maybe you, you question and say, why can't I find peace of mind? Have you ever had that? It's like, I'm trying to get peace of mind. I'm trying to figure out how do I get peace in my heart? How do I, how do I get peace from these things that have been worrying me and plaguing my thoughts? How do I get peace? Well, that's what I want us to look at today because I think that we have some hope. And I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 9, and this is a very familiar passage in the Christmas uh, story. Um, many of us know this one already. Uh, and if you know, uh, ever watched Charlie Brown's The Peanuts Christmas Special, uh, you have definitely heard this, right? Uh, but it was it precedes Charlie Brown, Brown, I promise you, by a long way. Um, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. And it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that when you start thinking about who Isaiah is talking about. Isaiah is referring to the Messiah, and we know that Messiah as Jesus. Jesus broke into this world, broke through the darkness, brought light on that first Christmas morning, and is the embodiment of what Isaiah is calling out for here this wonderful counselor and this mighty God and everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And I want to key in on that last, that last title that's given there, Prince of Peace. It is the Hebrew, in the Hebrew it is Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom is Prince of Peace. And if you think about that word Sar, what is Sar? Uh, anybody know what a king was called in Russia? Uh, you know, the Tsar, right? Where do you think the Tsar came from? Tsar comes from Sar which is, uh, it means someone with authority, someone that has authority. And so what is Isaiah saying here? Isaiah is saying that Jesus is the authority of shalom, that Jesus is the authority of peace, that who has uh, been given charge over peace? It's Jesus. Jesus has been given charge over peace. And so Jesus is the authority of peace, and Jesus is the one who gives it to us. You need to know that. You can't will peace for yourself you can't generate peace for yourself you can't just stir up peace to just make it happen in yourself peace comes from jesus you don't create shalom on your own that's what you need to remember you don't create shalom on your own it comes from somewhere it comes from someone and it doesn't come from us. We don't generate that in ourselves. So when we say, why can't I get peace of mind? Why can't I just psych myself up? Why can't I just kind of get myself to feel better and get out of this funk? It's because it doesn't come from us, which is good news. It's good news that it doesn't come from us because we're broken and messed up people. And if we did generate peace, it would be a broken and messed up peace, right? It would be pieces, right? It wouldn't be a full peace. And what does that mean? What does shalom mean? Shalom, if you look at this word, shalom is a word that really means well-being in all aspects of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. 
This is what it meant. When somebody says shalom, now I had a buddy. Um, he was from Kentucky, and me being from Georgia, we were just some country kids. And, um, you know, he went to Israel. And uh, while he was in Israel, he bought me a plaque, and the plaque said, Shalom, y'all. And I still have that. I still have that in my office, you know. It's just country boys come to Israel, right? <laughs> and uh, so he thought about me. He said, I, I got to get this for my buddy Ryan. And so I've got that. And that, that, this word shalom, though, it, it, it's, it's more than just a greeting. People say shalom, you know. Maybe you're watching The Chosen, and, and they greet each other on The Chosen with shalom. But it's more than just saying, hey, hey, how are you? Uh, good to see you today. This is what it means. It's when someone says shalom, this is what they're saying. May all that you need for your well-being today come to you this day. That's what they're saying. May all that you need for your well-being for you today come to you this day. So when we think about that the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, has been given to us, the one who holds the authority to give away peace and says, all the well-being that you need is in my hand, and I'm wanting to give it away today. That's a good thought. That's a good thing. I love the thought and, and, and to know that Jesus is this prince of peace, willing to give me the peace that he has. I want us to go to Isaiah 26. A few chapters over, Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, verse 3. This is a, a passage that my mom, my dad died in 2013. We just crossed over the anniversary of my dad's death um, in November, and um, my mom, after my dad passed away, she she had never lived alone, and now she was thrust into this new situation, this transition of having to live in this house by herself, and uh, she really struggled with that. She struggled because she had fear. She couldn't sleep at night. She would worry about what was happening outside, if someone was out there, what if someone broke in, what if something happened in the house. And so she had all these worries and all these concerns, and she just couldn't sleep. And uh, my mom, she had studied the Bible for years and years and years, and I know that she had read this scripture before. But at this point in her life, it seemed like it became a neon sign that just at this point, it's like God turned the switch on, and it just began to glow and stand out to her. And this is, this is what he, he led her to in, in verse 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. And said that when she began to just read that, she, just be that she let that become her scripture that she read. She made that, uh, just kind of grabbed that for herself and, and just kind of make that her, her own. And she began to sleep better at night. She began to sleep through the night. She began to be uh, to sleep through the night and get up in the morning and feel rested. And that was almost 10 years ago now. Uh, and through this process that, that God has led my mom through this. But, but this scripture, you keep him in perfect peace. The thing about you need to understand about the scripture is this, is that that word perfect there, um, it's not in the original language. Uh, and the reason it's not there is because in the Hebrew language, when you want to emphasize a word, they, they don't just say, hey, this is very big. Um, they'll say a word twice. It'll say big, big. And so here, this is the word peace twice. And so that's why they didn't translate it peace, peace. You will keep him in peace, peace, 
That's why they translated it perfect peace, to help it make sense for us. But in Hebrew, when they say it twice, it's to emphasize what's going on, that you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in sustaining peace. You will keep him in healing peace. You will keep him in complete peace. Anybody? Anybody you ever, you ever felt like, you know, you, you needed that completeness, that you were missing something? Ever felt like you were missing something? And, and this is where uh, God is saying, I will keep you in complete peace. And complete peace, even if you've been a complete mess. Anybody, come on now. If you've been a complete mess, God says you can still have complete peace. He says complete peace can still be for you this morning. And we want Christmas to be perfect, don't we? And it's, it's not saying that we don't want the perfect things, and we're all trying to get the perfect Christmas. And how many of you got people coming to your house this year? Nobody. Okay. I was about to say, <laughs> y'all got up and said, do not come to my house for Christmas. How many, you're going to somebody's house for Christmas? Okay, there you go. All right. Y'all didn't get invited anywhere either. Okay. We're going to have to work on our interpersonal relationships. Uh, some of us uh, invite people over for Christmas and when we do that, what do you do? You clean up, right? Or most of you, at least you should. You should clean up. You should wash the sheets, mop the floor, you know, light a candle or something. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. But you get ready. You want things to be perfect. You want things to turn out great. And sometimes, how do you know, things are less than perfect. Things can be less than perfect. See, the perfect Christmas is the one where you find peace when everything is less than perfect. That's the perfect Christmas. The perfect Christmas is when you see how unperfect everything is, and you still say, God, I have peace in you. God, even though everything around me seems chaotic, everything seems to not be falling in place like I thought it would and like I want it to, God, I still have peace that you are good and that you will supply for me. And that you were with me and you've not left me. And you give me a complete peace. You give me a perfect peace. You give me a sustaining peace. You give me a strong peace. You give me a healing peace. This is what we can have. And so when we read this, you keep him in perfect peace and peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on you. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is the giver of peace. We become receivers of peace. Jesus is the giver. We are the receivers. Jesus gives to us so that we can take that in and allow it to change our life. In John 14, wants to read that. John 14, uh, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, right? Because the world's peace isn't good enough. The world might be able to give you peace for about half a second, and then it falls apart. It's temporary. This kind of peace, when we talk about shalom, the shalom peace is, the, is the, the kind of peace that is lasting. It starts and it doesn't stop. It's like the Energizer Bunny, but better. It just keeps going and going and going. And so what we have to do is remember that you are the God of peace. And God, my peace doesn't come from me. It doesn't reside inside of me originally. It comes from you. And so, Lord, as you give me peace, I become a receiver of peace. And it's that, that giving and receiving idea, and this is what Jesus is saying. He says, I have peace, my peace, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not yours, it's his. 
My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There was a um, there was a uh, art gallery who decided they were going to do a contest to see who could create the most beautiful piece of art in relating to the idea of peace. And so all these artists got together. They created these paintings where they would paint these beautiful landscapes. They would, you know, pictures of sunrises and trees and all these things that just looked amazing and looked beautiful. But the art piece that won was an art piece that was basically this mountain. And it was in the middle of the sea. And the storm was raging around it. There was dark clouds overhead, lightning. The wind was blowing in, the, in this, this painting. And in this middle of this rock, this, the cliff of this rock, it painted in was this bird's nest. And this bird's nest in the cleft of this rock had this eagle in it. And the eagle was there and the eagle was safe in the middle of everything that was chaotic around him. And when you begin to think about that, that really is a true picture of what peace is. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of being complete in the middle of the chaos that surrounds me. No matter what's going on around me, no matter how big the waves get, no matter how bad the storm gets, no matter how dark the clouds get, I know that my God is with me. I know that my God holds me in his hand and he protects me, that my God gives me what I need and he gives me his peace. And so everything can just be hell around me, but God brings me safe. And when you think about that, that's, that's true for us. I... I I had someone last service, I, I, I mentioned this, we got, had a surfer in the last service, and we got a surfer in this service, Brooks back here, Big Brooks, uh, he's a surfer, and uh, we were talking uh, just a few days ago, and uh, you know how they tell people when there's hurricanes coming in, you need to stay out of the water. Yes, that's a good thing, right? Yes, that's, that's good advice, stay out of the water. But how do you know surfers are just crazy? And so, yes, yeah, you know, and uh, surfers, they want to go out into the middle of this chaotic thing, uh, not because they want to get swamped by the waves, it's because they want to ride the waves. And that's the thing about it, is they don't get down in the waves for a surfer, they want to get on top of it, and they want to ride it. And that's the thing about us, that, that we can be surrounded by all this, but it's the peace of God that allows us to ride through the storms. It's the peace of God that allows us, and he gives it to us. And he says, listen, you can't generate this. You can't will yourself to have this. You can't just make it happen on your own. Peace comes through Jesus. Peace is about relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when I come to Jesus, I get his peace as well. I get every benefit that comes with being in a relationship with Jesus because he gives me that. It's his. He's the authority. He is the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. He says, it is mine. I am the authority over peace, and I give it to you. And so he is the giver of peace. We are the receivers of peace. But you know what? Jesus also said this. He said, You're not just, I'm not just giving you my peace so you can receive that peace. He says, I've called you this. In Matthew, uh, we found, he says, blessed are the peacemakers he calls us to be 
peacemakers. What does that mean? He says, I am going to give you the tools that you need to do the job that I am calling you to do. I am going to give you the tools that you need so that, you know what, you can build and create and and create homes of peace and create places of peace that there can be harmony in relationships. It's not because we generate it. It's because God gives it to us, and then we use that to do God's will. That's what that looks like. Jesus is the giver. We are the receiver. And then we become peacemakers. And he says, do my work. Just think about it. See, we don't heal in isolation. We heal in community. We don't heal in isolation. There's, there are days when we just want to retreat. I have wanted to retreat. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to deal with anybody. I didn't want to get out of bed. There were times I just want to pull the cover up over my head. I wanted the world to go away. Do not answer the phone. Do not send me a text. Do not send me an email. Do not yell my name, right? I do not want to be around anybody. I want to retreat. That is the temptation, is for us to retreat. But that is also damaging to us because that's not how we heal. We are called to be in relationship. We are called to be in community. And this is how God brings healing into our life because he says, not only do I want to give you peace, I want you to receive that peace. And in that reciprocity between you and that other person, you can become peacemakers. And you can have peace in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. And this is a divine thing. This is a divine act that God invites us into. I'm going to ask Pastor Trent to come and play. There was an old farmer who had five sons, and they all fought and wrestled and quarreled and got in arguments. Anybody got brothers and sisters like that? Y'all just fight and fuss, you know. I mean, he had these, these boys, they fought all the time. And he knew he was getting older. He knew he wouldn't be around much longer. His, his impending death was, was just around the corner. And he told one of the farmhands, he said, listen, he said, I want you to go get me a bundle of sticks. He said, I want you to take that bundle of sticks. I want you to tie them up. And then he called his sons in, and he, he told his sons, he says, here, here's a bundle of sticks. He says, I want you to break them. I want you to break these sticks. And they took that bundle of sticks, and they were trying to break the sticks, and they couldn't break the sticks. Then he told the farmhand, he said, now I want you to untie the sticks and, and let the sticks free, let them loose. And his sons began to break the sticks very easily. It didn't take much effort to break those sticks. And he told his sons, he said, basically, the farmer urged his sons to live together like those sticks. He says, when you're together like that, it makes you stronger. So stick together, right? Stick together. We got to stick together. We've got to be people who we allow God's peace. We get God's peace. We receive peace from Jesus to change us. He gives it to us. We receive it. Then we become peacemakers. It is a wholesale work that God has for us. It is a wholesale work. See, it's, it's much more than us just saying, hey, peace, brother, peace out, you know, all that kind of stuff, and our greetings, hey, how you doing? No, this is about us having a full, complete work of God in our heart and in our life where we allow Jesus to give us peace. We receive that peace and it changes every relationship around us because we become peacemakers. Is anybody here, you want to be a peacemaker? How many, how many of you just need to know peace in that way? You just need to know Jesus. Said, I just need to receive some peace today because I've been dealing with chaos. It is it is just a wreck 
my life is a complete mess, but you can know complete peace. Stand with me.